This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Lily Chai. So according to a Fast Company article, assessing talent has not changed in the last 20 years. And talent assessment requires an evolution, not a revolution. So boards or companies cannot be expected to hire a CEO or an intern without any interviews. However, there must be a paradigm shift based on new factors on for how decisions should be made. So I'm here with Heitu Doshi. She is the CEO and organizational psychologist at Opsych. And two years ago, they actually developed a, a talent discovery app called Psych. Me. And I'm here to talk about the importance of talent assessments and what tools can best benefit your company's recruitment processes. So welcome to the show, Heitel. Thanks, Lily, for having me. Right. So let's start off the conversation with what is the whole concept of talent assessment and how many types of talent assessments are there? Well, there, there are a plethora of talent assessments out there. Typically, it will be in the name of, of brand names, right? So you've got different brands that have talent assessment tools. Um, and typically it would be under the categories of personality, abilities, motivation, and reasoning. The idea of talent assessments is a very, very unique one, and it has existed since the 1950s. Uh, and it was started when people were looking out for, and this was in military psychology, when they were looking out for really hardy people that could take the demands of being in a military lifestyle. And that's where it really began. So they started assessing for resilience back in the days, 1950s. Mm. And ever since then, from military psychology, it's evolved to sports psychology. So who are the hardiest ones in sports psychology? And then, as you would know, in organizations, we call ourselves corporate athletes, right? Like we're mm. constantly running in the workplace. And so talent assessments have migrated um, and continue to exist very readily in organizations today as well. Mm. So I guess a talent assessment is usually implemented during the recruitment process when you know for for hiring potential candidates into the company but this as like a complementary tool when it comes to uh, hiring and recruitment, right? So mm-hmm. this doesn't mean that interviews uh, with candidates are insufficient. Do you, do you think that, you know, interviews are disposable right now? Uh, well, we'll talk a little bit about the purpose of it. So I think it, the outcome of it is to get the best match, not just the best talent, but definitely the best match as well. Assessment tools are obviously really, really valuable because they add a data-driven perspective to it. Uh, but you you can't get past having interviews because there is a personal element to it. So I think combination of both is critical. But when you're looking at masses, data becomes an easier way to cut off based on certain types of criteria. And so a lot of the initial steps could be assessment based. And then eventually you really cling on to interviews to see whether you have a soul to soul connection of sorts and you really want to partner up with that person going forward. Mm. So I think it just has to go hand in hand. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any examples as to, you know, that's in the interview went great, right? But the assessment tells them something else. Yeah, maybe I'll I'll share an example of why we got into this business of talent, well, discovery, not assessment. Where I had my first job, I was asked to do assessments. And 
while I was doing the assessments, I was already panicking because I already felt like I was going to be judged. And I think that's why we should stop calling it talent assessments because mm-hmm. you really feel like you're being assessed there right. and then. But my manager did such a good job in the hiring process where she really said the talent assessment was just being used to aid a conversation. And so she used it as a discovery platform of why I was motivated about some things or how my personality helped me when it came to dealing with difficult situations mm. and you know what came in the way as well. She never made that conversation feel like an assessment of sorts or a judgment of sorts. And I think most organizations, unfortunately, that I've met subsequently do it in a very judgmental way. Right. Like, oh, you're an owl, you're an eagle, you're this, <laughs> you're that. And then we get classified in that rather right. than having a discovery session because nobody is one or the other, all or nothing. I, I think the way that organizations utilize it there's a there's a missed opportunity to maximize the potential of talent assessments as a discovery tool. Mm. Mm. Have you experienced any companies where they, they have used your uh, talent discovery app? They have gone through the interview with the potential candidate, mm-hmm. and then because the talent assessment or the discovery says something else, they mm-hmm. decide to not recruit that certain person. Um, I think it happens all the time, but this is why we often, whenever we use anything called talent assessment, you really need to be a credible and accredited psychologist or certified user of that tool to be able to use it. Um, And in countries like America and Australia, it's actually illegal to be deciding not to hire someone or to fire purely based on assessment tools. Right. Uh, I think the standards here, you know, I think we could be a lot better with our standards and how we utilize it. And it shouldn't be a career suicide platform. Otherwise, it's just going to have the worst name possible. Uh, we have seen it used, been used poorly in the past. Right. However, PsychMe as an app is not necessarily used only for recruitment, and we try not to stay in that space. We're really using it to discover based on any kind of question that a company would have rather than you're selecting someone or deselecting someone. Right. Uh, so we've stayed away completely from selection processes. It's a get-to-know-you-more kind of Absolutely. supplementary, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, um, I have done plenty of assessments before and <laughs> it's for either for fun or for job uh, job seeking purposes, right? And they always come in a form that I don't feel comfortable doing. So it's mm-hmm. always like on a scale of 1 to 5 or 1 to 10, how persuasive would you think you are? How mm-hmm. creative do you think you are? Because I always feel like I feel like sometimes I'm a 3.5 or sometimes I don't think these numbers can really justify how creative or how persuasive I am because every situation, it differs, right? right. So, uh, and it was also written in an article called Vervo. It is a recruitment solutions company in the US that personality and cognitive testing do not really predict a person's performance in the company and as well, it will sometimes discount a person's learned ability. So mm-hmm. what do you think about this yeah um, which is why we stay away from the whole assessment part of it and the selection part of it we're really using it to discover stuff so I love what you've said I think a lot of people feel the same way as well when they're completing the assessments they're like I, I would want this to be a 3.5 and I definitely do not want to answer a yes or no question yes. uh, there's a lot of things in between uh, the value of assessments that we are using and most companies should be using are validated tools so there is a lot of testing that has gone on with regards to the way the questions should be structured and the validity and the reliability that that question actually answers uh, what it's meant to be um, measuring Mm. so even if you feel that it's not measuring what it (laughs) intends to there have been at least 20 years worth of 
testing in terms of reliability, validity, and it typically should have been published in an international journal that is peer-reviewed. So a lot of times people say, are you sure or not? There's some measure what it intends to measure. Uh, then we would typically say it's gone through 20 years of scientific testing mm -hmm. uh, for it to measure what it intends to measure. And it's published and peer-reviewed as well. So it does. Uh, whether we like it or not, it does uh, measure what it intends to measure. Like. Right. Yeah. So to ensure the accuracy of it, mm -hmm. it must be validated. Right? It as definitely has to be uh, reliable, validated, peer-reviewed, published in international journals. And typically, they would also include social desirability right. factors. Social desirability factors are typically things that you... Uh, sometimes when you're doing the assessments, you're lying. Yeah. So <laughs> these uh, particular items are yes. used to catch whether or not you are not necessarily lying, we don't want to use that word, but whether or not you're taking the assessment seriously and answering the way that you have to. So some assessments by the end of it, we will just say that this um, your results are not valid, you need to redo it. Because right. it appears as if you're doing it to impress, sound desirable. Impress yes, the correct. company. Yeah. That, that, that's something that I didn't know when mm. I was doing the test, right? I was like, when I was younger, I had to admit like, Okay, what is this question asking? Is right. it asking for, is it trying to assess my persuasiveness? Mm -hmm. Is it trying to uh, test on my logical thinking? Like, <laughs> these are like the thought processes that sure. actually go through. So, how should I answer strategically, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> no, we are not taught in school to how do, do I this. win this game? Yeah, how do I win this game? How do I get this job? So, I guess when it comes, uh, because all these uh, assessments or discoveries are self-assessed, yes. right? How should companies measure the accuracy of this? Is, is utilizing the uh, validated assessment mm -hmm. enough? Mm -hmm. Maybe an example would be really valuable. So during the pandemic, I think a lot of organizations are talking about stress and well-being mm -hmm. and all of the above, right? So what they did at that point in time was um, they, they wanted to know what was going on in the organization from a perspective of well-being. But a lot of organizations, instead of wondering what is the state of well-being and why it was the way that it was and discovering it, they started using assessment tools. Right. right? So when they use assessment tools, unfortunately, they were using assessment tools that didn't answer the question. A lot of them use assessment tools like depression, anxiety, and stress. So instead of assessing, like, okay, the question would be, what is the state of well-being, but you're measuring ill-being, right? And the second part is, why is is it the way that it is uh, and, and what was going on in organizations was a decision and a judgment. Right. So what we did was actually the, the app was developed during the pandemic because we were curious ourselves and we didn't want to have a judgment and we definitely didn't want to measure things that were not intended. Mm -hmm. So when they ask questions like, okay, what's the state of well-being? We're like, okay, let's look at the best well-being assessments that are universally utilized to understand that. So we assessed well-being. And then when we had a conversation about people about their assessment results, like we tried to discover a bit more. They're like, hey, Tal, those of us with higher well-being, is it because of our personality? Hmm. And then we said, okay, why don't we also run some personality assessments to find out whether there's a correlation? Is it because of your personality that you have higher levels of well-being, lower levels of well-being? Then somebody else said, actually, it's not personality. It's the company. The company causes <laughs> us so much of drama that no matter how well I want to be, they're making my life right. miserable. So we did something called a psychosocial risk assessment, which is what is the risk that the organization puts people under? So we were looking at it from not an individual going through, um, you know, not just the 
individual that brings well-being or experiences well-being, but also maybe it's compromised by other things or it's supported by other things. Compromised maybe by the organisational risk, supported maybe by their personality. And then somebody said, you know what? I think if you have good self-esteem, right, you'll be able to handle (laughs) anything wherever you go, whether the organisation puts you at risk or not. If you have healthy self-esteem, maybe you'll get better. So then we put in a self-esteem assessment as well and we started to find more and more trends. And then somebody said, yeah, even if my self-esteem is good but if my boss doesn't want to listen to me no matter what also die die I won't be able to do it so we use psychosocial psychological safety assessment how safe is it to have conversations and once we started using these assessments and once we started looking at the trends and the patterns we found a model to describe the outcome of well-being and what were the factors that would lead to it and what we realized was high self-esteem combined together with high psycho- psychological safety equals to, no matter where you go, high well-being. Huh. So rather than talking about well-being, we were talking about, hey, f- it's forget about the pandemic and what it's causing. But as long as you have high self-esteem and you work on that and we create a safe space for us to talk about anything and that conversation can progress, you'll probably feel well no matter where you are. Hmm. So we changed the entire narrative of, okay, let's just assess well-being in the workplace and do something about it to discovering what was the whole story that was going on behind people's minds. And then now when we work with organizations, it makes a lot more sense because people have all of their answers uh, that they typically have. My well-being is because of the company. So it's not me. (laughs) Yoga class doesn't make any sense for me. Tell my boss to stop giving me three people's jobs Mm -hmm. per day with the same salary. And we can see that all from a data-driven perspective. Uh, and once we get more and more people, of course, it's a, initially it's a conversation, but eventually it's extremely data-driven because we can begin to see trends, insights, and we can then make predictions. Okay. Yeah. Because I, from what I'm hearing is all of that is interlinked, right? No matter if it's from internal, like mm-hmm. your self-esteem, and the external environment as well. No matter how resilient you are, yeah. n- no, not enough yoga classes can help you <laughs> help you lessen the burden of your work. Right? Yes. Okay, I do want to talk about um, different types of talent assessment tools out there that are new, mm-hmm. uh, when, like gam- gamification and things like that. It's time for us to take a short break for some messages, but don't go anywhere. I'm here with Heitu Doshi. She is the CEO and organizational psychologist at Psych, and they developed an talent discovery app called Psyche Me two years ago. Uh, so do stay tuned here on Racer Game here on BFM 89.9. Blockbusters for me. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Lily Chai. I'm here with Heito Doshi. She is the CEO and organizational psychologist at Osaic. So Osaic also developed a talent discovery app called PsychMe. And she is here today to talk to us about the importance of talent assessment and discovery and what tools can best benefit your talent and your uh, company, no matter if it's in the recruitment process or understanding your employees better. So uh, there are new ways of doing doing it assessments, right? Uh, No matter if it's uh, at the beginning when it comes to recruiting or uh, just within the organization. So one of them is actually gamification, which is using game-like elements during the whole process. And uh, because according to a recruitment firm called uh, One Namil, 
they say that you know people want to look at creative ways to match candidates with jobs mm -hmm. because everyone is tired of the whole traditional old hiring process. Mm -hmm. So do you think that you know gamification can be incorporated into talent assessment? hundred percent. It can definitely be um, a part of it. I think eventually we shouldn't be talking necessarily about the approach but the outcome. So what is the outcome that we really want would be obviously the best match, uh, not just the best candidate, but definitely the best match. And also the process for the person should probably be the, the user experience should be something where people want to, you know, they, they shout out loud about, like they really learned something about themselves. Right. It was really fun. It was really meaningful. Um, people use the word gamification, but I think it's also used loosely. So I'm not 100% sure about what that really means. Uh, but in the traditional sense, it would be, okay, you complete one assessment, it kind of points you to another one, and it's a utilization of some kind of engagement as well. Uh, one of the major issues with uh, a process-based approach rather than an experiential-based approach, like, okay, gamification would be a process by which you get somebody to experience the product, and then you have the outcome. But what happens, I think, a lot of times is that there is very low understanding about what the assessment actually really means. Mm -hmm. So yes, it can be fun, but is that the depth of really understanding what this assessment is doing for the outcome that it's intended for? Right. And for me, that's the Namon criteria. Uh, you can use gamification, you can make it fun, all of that is secondary, but does it measure what it's intent to and does it give you the depth of understanding? Um, and that's very scary when I look at assessments that are very fun and creative, but it lacks the depth and it lacks the credibility of matching it to what it intends to measure. Uh, so that's a scary bit for me. Hmm. Uh, so I guess with so many new up and coming you know available tools out there right mm. so there's like game job simulation things mm. like that mm -hmm. and then there are uh, storytelling games as well you know, there are so many different types mm -hmm. of assessment tools out there mm -hmm. um and and together with the old the old or the traditional ones mm. how should companies know what which assessments make most sense to them to be incorporated into their processes? Right. Number one, I think moving away from the word assessments, like what do you really, really want is a very important thing. Um, secondly, how are you going to go about measuring it? So say, for example, I'm looking for a CEO. Mm -hmm. right? that's, that's what I really want. Uh, what is the question that you have? Who's going to be the best CEO? Um, or who's going to be the best CEO for this current climate? Um, so I think asking the right question and then therefore picking the discovery platform would be most critical. Uh, you could include many elements to it. You could include, um, you've got the assessments, you've got role plays, you've got simulations, you've got actual real life stuff that you want them to work on, um, a whole bunch of things. But I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit difficult for me just to give a one shot answer. But I think the most important thing is like, what do you really, really want? And I, most companies cannot answer that. And they just jump into assessing. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I want a CEO that will match. But what do you mean? What do you really mean by that? The conditions are completely unique. So what uh, for this particular CEO, are you is it a revenue growing CEO, someone who's going to build the company? Or, but there are companies here that are in survival mode. So it is about converting losses to mm. like at least a stable ground. Right. And it takes two totally different skill sets to be able to meet that particular 
people out to be able to address those problems. And I think jumping into assessing without really understanding your climate and what you really want is a huge missed opportunity. So I'm hearing that you know there is no one size fits all. No, I approach. think it's what's the problem that you want to solve and how you're going to measure it, and then then you start doing start looking at how you're going to assess it. Mm. It's just the tool, right? Yeah, right. you got to so, use the right tool, uh, <laughs> but you can't jump into just using the tool. Yeah. So do you think that if companies they they're not sure which tool to use, mm-hmm. an interview is just sufficient? Um, no, <laughs> I would definitely refrain from just an interview because everybody presents the best version of themselves right. over there. Uh, one way to make an interview a lot more uh, reliable, again, is reliability and validity of what the person is trying to tell you. They're putting out their best front on that day of itself, uh, which you know may or may not be true at all. One way to make, if you cannot afford assessment tools, so you don't want to use that, one way of doing it would be um, situation-based interviews. So basically, you're asking, tell, asking the person, when was there a time where you were able to generate revenue right. of like 10 million in your past career? What are the behaviors that you took or the action that you took and what were the results? So if you ask interviews in a very specific, we call it like star, like the situation, mm. the task, the action and the results, then you might be able to get uh, move away from the fluff and go into the exact details of how that person behaved in that particular situation. But I think backing it up with a data drivenness, a valid and reliable tool gives you a platform to discover a little bit more mm. uh, than what is just happening on that surface in and of itself. And we, we make it a heavy practice that before we hire anyone, we've got at least four assessment tools that we get them to do. Right. Uh, um, and that's part of a conversation that we want to have it with them mm. at that point as well. Right, and I and I remember someone, um, people were coming out from the pandemic or during the pandemic when they were finding a new job and, you know, the whole recruitment process was and the hiring interview process was happening. Mm. Their concern is, if I have a mental health issue, right, it's not really severe, mm. I can cope with it, but I'm dealing with it, mm. is it something that I need to disclose, right? Mm. So th- these are the things that you can't really assess mm. through the interview itself because you said, right, people are putting their best self forward, mm. right? It's not something that you want to disclose. Mm. But I guess besides having more insights about this person, right, how do they solve problems? How do they perform when mm. it comes to work? How do these tools, um, especially yours, right? You you have an app yourself. How does it make it unbiased and ultimately high, uh, minus minusing the risk of bad hires? Right. Um, well, it is unbiased because again, uh, there's rigorous studies that are done to make sure that it's validated and reliable, and you are not part of the interface. So they're just right. completed independently. So therefore, it's definitely less biased than an interview process. Um, the second question that you had was the bad hires. Okay, that one, I think, uh, you know, going to the temple and praying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not really about a bad hire. I think it's about a bad match of sorts. Hmm. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when I hear people saying, oh, Malaysia, we've got a shortage of talent. We don't have enough good people. I don't think it's true. I think it's just a poor match. The person with the job, with the environment and with the leader that's leading them and probably the team and also circumstances that are going on with their lives, their lives at that point in time. So, you know, we talk about the best match and stuff like that, right? So what happens when a person leaves the company? Are they not a good hire anymore? They were a good hire when they came in, right. probably. So are they not a good hire anymore? Uh, no, I, I didn't mean going to the temple as one of the things, but I think so many things that can go wrong will go wrong and there are uh, systems that need to be put in place so that you have a talent pipeline we always say hire hard and fire easy. 
like take a long time and take a very hard approach to hiring the right person. But when it's time to let go of the person, let go of the person as quickly as you can. Right. Uh, but not in an unethical manner, in a way that is both have agreed uh, upon that exit because it's not working out for both parties. And we try to do it as quickly as possible so right. that we minimize all the toxicity and unnecessary pain. For both parties. For both right. parties. For all parties. For the people who are there as well in the team who have to observe that pain that everyone right, yeah, is, right. is experiencing. So no, I don't think there's it. I think it's almost like marriage, right? You you do your best. <laughs> you, to assess you, the person before marriage. You, you, yeah, you definitely do your best. And you know, um, you could be with someone for so long and it still doesn't really work out in the end. But it doesn't mean that it was bad to begin with. It's just a bad match at that point in time, in mm. that circumstance. And the only thing that we can we know in life, for, you know, that is for certain is life and death, which means the start and the end. Mm. So hiring it has to have both parts of it. Yeah. You're going to get someone and they, I mean, I think they should leave as well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hire hard, fire easy. For sure. Oh, right. So, I mean, I hope correct word shouldn't be fire, but like leave easy. Oh, right. Yeah, leave oh. easy and leave quickly. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, of course, uh, Osight rolled out uh, PsychMe, the app, with 20 validated uh, self-assessment mm-hmm. tests. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think candidates or individuals have to necessarily go through all of the tests all no. at once. No, so that how, would be painful. Right. So how... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds painful, it's 20, painful. right? <laughs> You're going to sit for 20 exams. But uh, how do you think uh, companies should utilize the yeah. available test that is available on the app? Right. Again, I think the most important question is what do you really want? So right. sometimes companies... Uh, uh, what do you really want and how, how, you, how best will it how best can you measure it mm. uh, and whatever you're using does it intend does it measure what it intends to so i'll give you an example you know like some companies will say like right now pace is very important like the speed at which people get things done is critical so if you need someone to be working at pace and with high levels of speed and you're wondering why people are not doing right. that, then number one, you probably want to use an assessment tool of things like about work pace. So what kind of work pace are you comfortable with and what kind of work pace do you enjoy being with and brings you in the best of light? And then you also find out maybe it's not work pace that is an issue. So some companies will say, yes, we need people who can work faster. Mm. But the other part of it is what is all the drama that is preventing people from work, working faster? Because I'm sure everybody wants to go back home at five o'clock. Of course. <laughs> so we also have another assessment tool to discover what is preventing work pace from going on rather than just looking at work pace, but what is creating non-work pace. Uh, and we have that match so that we can discover more. And once we discover that, we often find out that you know, interesting things like people feeling there is organizational justice and disrespect, for example. Mm-hmm. It could be many other things that are surfaced. And the issue is not then work pace. The issue could be that there are um, relational coordination issues, meaning people, departments are not speaking with each other. One leader has beef with another leader. They are not talking and they, they've invited everyone to have that conflict or that war as well. So maybe it's not workplace, maybe it's something else as well. So when, again, um, all the time, what is it that you really want? And try to flip the question and look at what we are, what is the opposite extreme of that? If you're looking at workplace, what is causing also non-workplace and discover both? Oh, right. I, I really like that. It's not just giving them a piece of paper and fill out like the assessment, but it's trying to incorporate, see what's the underlying message that the assessment is trying to tell you and talking to them, mm-hmm. right? It's not just giving, handing them out like 
we need you to do this assessment because the company wants to know something about, you know, the, the current situation now at work. Right. But actually communicating to them after the results come out. A hundred percent. I think that's part of the educational the awareness right. and what creates ultimately that impact as well. And it's a real light bulb moment for everybody. Mm. And they feel like it's a very fair process because leaders typically will say, this is what I want. And then when you listen carefully, okay, I want people to work faster. But then when you listen to the people, they say, yeah, but then there's so much drama. So when we use assessments that prove that we are listening to everyone and we offer them answers based on all of their questions, it provides a very holistic approach and people are like, okay, this makes complete sense. It's a very holistic way of looking at it. Right. right. But uh, I think companies need to have that uh, psychological safety and for the employees to open up and actually tell them that <laughs> boss, there is drama going on around the office instead of packaging as something right. nice or doing the assessment, asking their colleagues of the same level. Like, yeah. I think we should just fill this as, you know, something, right? So that our answers are uniform and we don't cause drama or other issues, right. things like that. So what are the best practices, would you say, to allow your employees to be more open, honest, and feel safe to, right. to express their dissatisfaction. So on the contrary of psychological safety, which has a lot to do with voice, and you want to encourage people to speak up, but what will you speak up about? What we don't want is for people to speak about anything and everything, and it's not moving in the direction of what we really want. Right. So we try to operate on a very data-driven approach first. Then we've got lots to talk about based on that. So let me give you an example. Um, a particular organization that we're working with, they really, really want to have people who are self-driven, self-sufficient, and you can trust them to work from home, for example. Right. Uh, so when we have those open conversations about why people don't behave in a self-sufficient way, uh, they have to be pushed, they have to be dragged, they have to be motivated by their bosses, whereas the company wants people who we don't have to do that. Mm. So what happens? in a conversation like that or in a situation like that is that if we just open it up and ask people do you like to work from home which is that's not the conversation that we should be having but the conversation ends up being oh should we work from home or should we not work from home um, and that conversation just goes completely uh, left field to what it is that we want to have as a problem that is solved so when we look at the reasons why people are self-driven why they're not self-driven when we have that data and then they have the conversation we can create that safe space uh, as a context to say, guys, we have some data. Some of us here are very self-driven and self-sufficient right. and they can work from home. But some of you really need to have a proper environment and it seems that it's impossible for you to work from home and have that discipline. So when we open up this next one hour, what we really like from all of you to tell us is how, how can we move forward in an organization when half of you are very good at working from home, half of you are not good at but we need to have one standard practice. Once we have that data, nobody needs to have arguments about um, whether we should work from home or not because the data shows half of us are good at it, half of us are not. Then the conversation becomes a little bit more targeted towards that. Um, and, and I think that's very helpful. Without the data, everybody is just moving towards opinions. Right. And opinions can take forever uh, to close up as a conversation. Yeah. So what you're doing with your app now is helping companies to understand their employees better through data yes. so that they can do something about their organization. Right. Once they have the data, then you can have conversations. And from those conversations, you can make decisions. Um, and that's that seems to be working out perfectly well. Right. How, how many organizations have you collaborated with with your app? I think close to 20. What we really do with our clients is 
it's a longer process. Uh, so therefore, we haven't scaled across like thousands of companies. Mm. But with these, we are definitely asking very important questions and the data is being used in an extremely exploratory mode. Right. Uh, so the effort required in that is not as easy as just scaling it across. There's a lot of deeper conversations. Um, and we also anchor it back to business agenda and goals and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. It's not just... Uh we can just do it uh, this one time, this one-off situation, and then get over and done with, right? It's something that should be in- implemented into the organization, I guess, quarterly and something to mm-hmm. review on. Yep, absolutely. And um, what we what we often say is that uh, it should be as regular as your salary. Mm. Because every month you're paying people. Right. And every month you want the best out of them. And you want to keep discovering new insights. Just as you innovate new products, you just want to create more and more insights and create more innovative people to produce, produce these results. So I think it should be a monthly monthly affair of discovering something and having conversations to constantly inject that little boost in what you can bring out of your talent. Right. Mm. I guess before we wrap up this whole conversation, what is the takeaway that you want uh, companies and, um, and maybe employees and individuals as well to take away from this whole conversation? Um, I think we all have questions about why people behave the way that we do. Mm. And we all have hope that people will behave in ways that we want them to. And in between this question and the answers is discovery rather than judgment. And the best way to discover it would be validated, reliable tools that can give you data. And you don't have to have opinions and judgments about it anymore. So you can rest in peace uh, <laughs> rather than having these constant questions. Why do they behave the way that they do? Why can't they behave the way that I want? Um, and really enjoy the process of discovering not only something about themselves, but yourself. Um, and the ultimate goal would be better workplace relationships rather than better individual performance. Mm-hmm. Um, that could definitely help the company rather than just saying, I want everybody to perform. But a great relationship, great understanding obviously leads to a greater performance mm-hmm. as well. Answering questions with data and then finding solutions immediately, mm-hmm. right? Thank you so much, Hayton. This has been a very insightful conversation. Well, you have been awesome as well. Thank you for your brilliant questions. Thank you so much. I've been speaking to Hayton Doshi. She is the CEO and organizational psychologist at OSYC. Uh, OSYC also developed a talent discovery app called PsychMe, and she was here to talk to us about the importance of talent assessment and discovery and what tools can best benefit your company, whether it's recruitment or it's within your employees themselves. If you miss any part of this conversation, you can, of course, go ahead on our website at bfm.my or the bfm app to listen to the full conversation i'm really trying this has been raise your game here in bfm 89.9listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app 